Hey everybody, Craig here. I uh, just wanted to say hi before the show started. Uh, when we recorded this episode, we had not finalized all of the details for our live show in Boston on July 15th. So I wanted you to know about that. We're doing a live show in Boston on July 15th with our friends Christina and Camille of the Unfriendly Black Hotties. So it's going to be at the PRX Podcast Garage, which is an awesome space. Uh, I think doors open at 6.30, show begins at 7. You can find out more at bit.ly slash overdue hotties. That is bit.ly slash overdue hotties. So we hope that you can join us. Um, we'd love to see you there. Go to that website. And with all that said, enjoy our bonus episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Everybody, welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And this is our May bonus episode. So we are recording live in sunny Google Hangouts. Uh, hanging out. It's with... actually really rainy in Philadelphia right now. <laughs> it's really gross. Um, but yeah, so this is another one of our live bonus apps. We've got some of our lovely Patreon supporters listening and um, watching. You always call them lovely. Yeah. They're always lovely. It makes me feel a little weird about it. Why? I'm, it's, it's, it like is you're trying lovely. to pick them up. No. Like, oh, is, you're so lovely. It is did lovely. You, did you fall from heaven because there's an angel missing? They are angels. Is that a pickup line? The, <laughs> I looked in the sky and there was an angel missing. Is it you? Mm -hmm. You're lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so, Andrew, what book are we talking about on this month's show we're talking about fell feel a day felly day felly day felly day um it's cat in latin um by akif perinci 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 right? he's a turkish german author this was recommended to us by laura um she was inspired to recommend it recommend it to us after we listened to after we read oh i'm i'm so excited watership down watership down yeah so mm -hmm. she was into like dark anthropomorphic fiction um same <laughs> always and she wanted to hear us talk about this book so you have like a real copy like you have a physical I have a real copy because it's not as far as i can tell it's not at least not in america or in english it's not in print anymore Mm. So there is no ebook version. There is no like you can't buy it new. I just had to buy it like used off of Amazon. Um, so the deal with this book is it was published in 1989, and it's actually the first of um, eight books. As Correct. of 2012, there are eight uh, Felly Day books. Fel Felly. I'm gonna say <laughs> Felly Day, and then you're gonna say something else, and we're gonna get through this show together. That's how Felly Day. Yeah. There are eight books in the series, and um, 
only the first two and the fifth one have been translated into English. <laughs> what happened in books three and four that was too I'm, racy for our English ears I, and eyes? I could not tell you. Uh, so Princi, um, as we said, is a Turkish-born German author. He moved to Germany when he was 10. Uh, I got to find this New York Times article I found. Um, yeah, his parents moved there when he was 10. And he said, I was always being kicked out of school. All I ever wanted to do was to become an artist. I never understood why I should have to learn geometry. Same, very much. Uh-huh. Uh, that's not my jam. Um, he, yes, he started writing when, in his teens. He wrote a his first novel was published when he was 21. It was called Tears Are Always the End. <laughs> and that sounds like a Google Translate thing. So I don't know if that was like how it was released, if it was released in English speaking countries. But... Yeah, very German, very German. Um, he has a he expresses similar sentiments about how ever, like all endings are sad. Sure. In this sure. book. Okay. Um, as you said, he he published this book in 1989. Um, he, he's notable now. There's not much else about him that you can find. Yeah. So this is what's going to be fun about this show. Oh, okay. Uh, we got some, you sound, I was just prefacing. Oh, okay. Cause yeah, we just got, we just got started. Some folks are, are hopping into the chat as we speak. So we're, we're just getting to the meat on Mr. School if you're late. And if, yeah, if you've uh, got questions and stuff, just like throw them at us. Cause we're both looking at this chat. We're just looking at it. Just looking at it. Interact with you live in real time. That's how it works. So the reason that Perinci is notable outside of these eight cat crime books that he wrote, uh, is that he has gotten into some right wing, writing anti-immigrant anti-muslim writing in germany um he published a collection of essays called uh, germany gone mad the crazy cult around women homosexuals and immigrants um he once told the paper the the paper de, de zeit that i don't give a flying f if people call me a nazi um he's called germany a muslim garbage dump Mm-hmm. He, he called the German Green Party a uh, Kinderficker Partei, ooh, <laughs> which is German yeah. for basically a party of child molesters. Yeah, um, he doesn't seem like a great dude. Uh, he was even booed off stage um, while giving a speech at uh, a Pegida rally in 2015, and that is a is a large anti-Muslim group in in Germany. Um, because he made a comment about concentration camps. And he was too racist for the anti-Muslim party. Yeah. <laughs> and within Jeez. and this might get to why you had to buy like a used copy of his book, Andrew. Within like days, uh, Goldman and Random House had canceled his contracts. Amazon Germany had delisted his books. Like he has been kind of blacked out through major retailers uh, since then. Yeah, so this is, I mean, it's going to get to a lot of stuff that's going on all over the world, but like in America too, about like free speech and what free speech is. Just for the record, I don't think that free speech means that you should be like guaranteed book contracts, but that's just me. Um, (laughs) And also like larger questions, and I'm interested to hear what your perspective on this is, like larger questions about separating art from artists 
Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. how like how hard we should work to do that or if we should work to do that so my gut reaction to that second point is it depends on who how you want to like for lack of a better word vote with your wallet um depending on a person's views and how outspoken they are being about their views and what they are trying to do with those views in the public sphere, if you severely disagree with them, or worse, if they are actually rep- like just objectionably, objectively reprehensible, like maybe you, I'm okay with you not wanting to give that person money for their work. Like I don't know. I guess I my I want to make the scope on the question a little like bigger, like. Like let's take let's take John Lennon, okay? So let's like he's him. a guy whose contributions to music and to art are widely recognized and hailed. Yeah, and like liking John Lennon is not a controversial thing to do. <laughs> no, he also like was awful to every woman that he ever met in his entire life. Yeah, like, like his relationship with Yoko, like later, I guess, notwithstanding, he was really awful to his first wife. He was. He was awful to his child from that marriage for a long time. He's he's like a problematic guy. Like if some, yeah, so if like the guy from Coldplay, I guess, was as bad. <laughs> Maybe he is. I don't know enough about Coldplay. Let's not, let's, there's enough reasons to cast shade on Coldplay. We don't need to go too far. Um, I guess my answer to that, Andrew, is that it's easier, I think, to separate Lenin the work Lenin the art and Lenin the artist because he's not around anymore so his ability like the the ability for that stuff to and that behavior um to like impact someone now is far less than someone like Perinci or or other folks who might kind of hold really bigoted views who are because they are earning money as authors or, or as whatever they're then using that and channeling it into garbage that that would be okay, my response to that that's interesting but like i don't i don't think that but i, I, I but i also don't think we can i don't think we can say like there is like the line is when you die or like there is a, no, a no. hard and fast like timeline or like a money line or whatever that you can draw but like if you go back into western art like pretty much everybody i imagine was a, a, a huge racist like back before a, a certain point so well, yeah. I guess just like where where is the I don't know where people draw a line. Why do you draw a line? I don't know. I'm telling you that you're, right you're now, a person who like makes art, which is why I'm interested to talk to you about this. Sure, I'm I'm telling you right now that as a consumer of art, I'm very comfortable drawing a money line for living artists. Okay, um, that's fair. If only because. As as an art as an artist and supporter of people who make art vis-a-vis like hiring folks or recommending folks to things, I would rather folks give their uh, resources to people who are not awful, <laughs> so uh, and create opportunities for people who are not awful. So I sure. I don't know. So That's, do you like you don't buy Orson Scott card books anymore? Then I I do not, and I would I would okay. if I wanted to buy a a uh, new like a copy of something in print i would try to buy it used from a place uh where that money was perhaps going to good use okay i can't say that i'm that, that i'm like good at always doing that or all, no you know. and we're not and also like whatever we'd say is not like the right way to handle stuff but 
Yeah, given that given that I had to buy like a secondhand copy of this book because he was so racist that nobody wants to print his books anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, someone from the I someone found it f- curious, yeah. Crossed reality in the chat uh just pointed out for me it depends on how active someone in someone is in projecting their awful agenda. Orson Scott Card and Dilbert Doofus uh very actively pushing that regressive agenda. Um so yeah. For each one of those, there are a dozen artists that may want to drown Irish children or something, but at least they're quiet about it. Yeah, just don't do it, and then I won't know. Um, I think it's interesting. <laughs> sure, great. Just everybody keep your keep your awfulness to yourself. Keep it under a bushel. A yeah. yeah. Um, some quotes, as I said to you before we got on air, some quotes from 1994. Uh, oh, that was Graham who said that earlier. Um, Graham is very excited to be here. Um, Hello, in, Graham from Twitter. In 1994, uh, Perinci gave an interview with the New York Times. Uh, a couple of quotes that like presaged who he became today. Uh, he he said, "What other people do to each other doesn't interest me." Which I just because what was happening at the time was there was some. Uh, right-wing violence happening after reunification in Germany, and they were asking him about it, and he was like, whatever, not my problem. Okay. Like, okay. Interesting. He also said that he was working on a book that is based on the notion that all the men in the world have died suddenly from a mysterious virus, and women evolve a new society over the following 30 years. I am writing this book especially for women. I want them to think, quote, how could he know so much about us? <laughs> Dude... <laughs> i don't know about that um that's that's really that's strange and and i'm looking (laughs) i've looked at his twitter feed and i am trying getting his translator from german to english but he has like said stuff about fake news and like bragged about about being ostracized in a couple different different cases and so he's he's pretty like unapologetic in a way that a lot of you're like Milo Yiannopoulos and your and your Steve Bannons and whoever are sure sure like on the right in in America yeah and I think it's it's a weird thing for me to recon- reconcile because in this cat murder book in 1989 <laughs> he writes like this is at the end so like this is the bow that he's putting on his whole his whole deal is um. We, however, want to believe in innocence. In particular, human beings should never forget that their ancestors were animals, that they are, in fact, still animals, and that consequently a tiny bit of innocence still dwells within them. Um, Whether good or evil, we are all animals in the end, and so should relate to one another in loving friendship. And so the journey that you go on between 1989 and now to get from let's all relate to each other in loving friendship and I don't care if you call me a Nazi... (laughs) That's yeah. That's a, a a complex personal journey that that you have gone on, my friend. Yeah, and I don't know what it was like to live through reunified Germany and like reunified where... Germany and like nine eleven and Afghanistan and Iraq and like there have been a million like the huge modern immigrant crisis and yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's not, to ex- not that's not to say no. I'm not saying like these are all great excuses for why you should be a racist <laughs> piece of garbage. I just don't I'm know just what saying, like, exactly happened to him. Yeah, like how does that interact with the chemicals in your brain to make you? To, to like to get you to that from point A to point B in that situation. Yeah. So let's get into the cat murder, Andrew. A sentence I never thought I would say. Um 
This the best-selling book... novel of cats and murder, it says now, on the cover. Now this, oh gosh, uh, he's very whoa. upset about the murder. <laughs> uh, this book uh, was adapted into a into a movie um, in 1994, an animated film. I watched some clips of it, and it's horrifying. Um, Great. So well, you can tell us exactly what ends up happening. I don't want to. The poster spoil of it makes it look like Fievel goes westy. Like what if Fievel goes west? But yeah, they did render a disengor like a disembowelment in like full detail. I found yeah. that clip pretty easily. Um, so what is this book about, Andrew? Cats and murder. Okay, I said. but like which cats and which ones get murdered? <laughs> Okay, so here's here's how we start is um this cat Francis moves into a new house with uh Gustav who is his owner. Okay. He has a very and and I want to one of the things I do kind of like about this book and I'm not sure like for a while I especially knowing what I do about um a gif um our our friend the author um I wasn't sure if it if he was just being misanthropic or if like he was actually trying to render the world as he believes cats see it, but I think it's I think it's the second one. Okay. Um and I'm just gonna read how how Francis feels about Gustav. Oh great, okay. And yet, if I may venture this this is on Christmas. If I may venture this sentimental confession on the sentimental day, I was the only living being in the world who really did love him. That's right, I love that fool, that overripe watermelon in human form, that talking hippo, that cosmic twit, that all around failure, that self satisfied bourgeois pig, that hack author, that fat headed lump of hopelessness, that conglomeration of inferior atoms, that total dead loss, and if anyone laid a finger on him, he'd find out what my scalpel tipped claws were like. Whoa. Francis. So he like kind he like hate loves Gustav. Do you think is... <laughs> that your cat feels the same way about you, Andrew? Uh, I'm not sure if he resents me as much as you resent him. I guess like I don't know if he <laughs> thinks of me as a as a failure. He does seem pretty. He seems pretty cool to like take my food and sleep in my bed and like get hair all over everything in my entire house, but. And you're his favorite. I know that to be true. Uh, of of the two of us, much to Susanna's chagrin, yes, he does usually gravitate towards me. I think it's just because I'm warmer. Like, my body heat level is higher, That makes sense. But yeah. Sure. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Hot Andrew, they call you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> or maybe it's just because I'm home 100% of the time, and so he... Yeah. He's just, it's familiarity that. Yeah, that Susanna's just a daily out. guest in your house, in his yeah, house. Like, who, are, who are you? <laughs> who is she? So Francis is living with Gustav. And what. Oh, right. I still have to talk about this book. Um, <laughs> he, they move into this house, and it's a neighborhood where everything's been like pretty well gentrified and like redone, and, and everything looks looks very nice mostly. But this house is a dump. Oh, and Gustav is only moving in it because he got like a really good deal on it. And so Gustav and his friend Archie, who also is described in very comedic terms as like an ultimate like human zeitgeist, like a giant (laughs) hipster who only likes things because he can be cool for liking them. Okay. (laughs) Um, So, okay, they're they're restoring this house. Francis is like meeting the neighborhood cats and he comes up, up upon this one who gets who's dead. Who's got like this big gaping wound in their neck and they're dead. Whoa. 
and um he meets this disfigured cat called Bluebeard who is like, oh, it's one of the tin openers who did it, meaning that it's a human because that's what humans are. They just open tins of food for cats. That's all they are for us. Okay. Um, and Francis is like, well, dog, I don't know. Like, I think it's, I think it was an animal because it looks pretty, like it looks like a bite. It doesn't look like a precision instrument did it. And from here, Francis, like he meets a bunch of neighborhood cats and he finds a couple more like dead cat bodies and there's just something in this neighborhood that's killing cats oh man these are all outside cats they they're all like inside outside cats which and and there are some inside cats but francis mostly pities them for having such sheltered little lives (laughs) cat lives okay is there's not like how is the word about murder getting out is it all like word of word of meowth well i mean not like there's no newspaper did you say word of meowth there's not like a cat newspaper or anything there's not like a twilight meow that they're participating in where they spread information yeah um no it's just that the corpses of cats are being left out in the open and being found by the other cats okay Cool. By the the brothers and sisters, as they call each other. Oh, they're all part of one big cat family. Yeah, one big cat family. Okay. So Francis is very curious because he's a cat. Get but it? he's like even even for a cat, he's curious, or at least the book makes him seem that way. Okay. And so he wants to, and he also thinks a whole lot of himself and his intelligence <laughs> level. And so he is going to investigate these murders. He's going to get to the bottom of it. Um. So he's like snooping around the book. Like there are a couple different sequences in the book where he's like having these really vivid nightmares. Yeah, so I saw one of I saw a clip of one in a cartoon. So hit me with a good nightmare. Um, I'm trying to see if I have while one you're up. while you're looking, I will uh, share that. Um, <laughs> I think I've. All be in the chat says that um, their cat thinks they're an evil hairless ape who won't share her yogurt. So cats like yogurt. They when Newman like Newman drinks any dairy stuff, he barfs everywhere. And he doesn't. <laughs> Does he know that though? Is he still into milk? He hasn't learned. It's just best not to let him, like, not to set him up to fail. Okay, fine. <laughs> let him be the best Newman he can be. Yeah. Okay. You're gonna try and find um, this dream. I dreamed that I was once again in that gruesome garage. This time, however, Deep Purple, who's the name of another one of the cats. Uh, was not flat on his back, but and Deep Purple is one of it's like the second cat that's dead that they find. Okay. Um, was not flat on his back, but fully ri- alive and sat upright like a human on the seat of the Harley Davidson. A powerful fountain of blood shot up in the air in a vertical column from the huge wound in his neck, then splashed down again, covering him in the motorcycle. It was a terrifying sight, such as you might see in a horror version of a champagne ad. A sardonic smile sm- spread over the face of the zombie-like geezer, and he gesticulated wildly with his front legs. This here is my damn patch, screamed Deep Purple, and I can still get it up. Take a look. He reached over his shoulder with one paw and pulled a kitten out of his bloody neck wound. That And the still get it up is in reference to what you think it is in reference to. Because the cats that are found murdered often seem to be in a state of arousal. <laughs> so wait, um, there is a cat mm-hmm. with blood streaming out of him on the mm-hmm. back of a motorcycle. And this is a nightmare. Screaming. This is real about his crotch and no, how well he yeah well yes yes <laughs> this rules 
He reached over his shoulder with one paw and pulled a kitten out of his bloody neck wound. The tiny kitten was like a miniature version of its father, and it looked around, blinking with fear and helplessness. Purple growled in triumph and gave the baby a powerful shake. You're not supposed to do that. And do you want to know how I can manage this? The latest, the most innovative treatment methods, my dear fellow. Spasm all... Whoa. (laughs) A bunch of different, like, electrocardiography, organ transplants, fibrinolysis, injections, infusions, transfusions, needles, bandages, compresses, and, and, and. Yes, indeed, medical care is the alpha and omega of old age. Nowadays, without modern medicine, nothing would work. Suddenly, he lifted the kitten in the air. The kit... The kitten that had had such a repulsive birth and threw it like a baseball with a dull thump, the baby hit the corrugated tin wall, leaving behind a huge bloody smear before falling lifeless to the floor. Purple broke out in hideous laughter and thrust his hand into the wound to conjure up a fresh kitten. And like, so this nightmare sequence goes on for a while and it ends with this cat like throwing so many little kittens at the wall and killing them that the walls are like streaming with blood. Yo! That's like cat murder book everybody watership watership down's got nothing on this cat yeah there's never Um, a part in watership down where a biker cat like a biker bunny goes on a riff about modern science being the future and just like hurling babies at walls no there is nothing in watership down that is specifically like the scene in this book. so why are these why does he have these dreams how do these will, dreams affect i'll get i'll get back to the nightmares later oh okay but so he wakes up from this nightmare and the the beginning of this chapter i think it's the third chapter is like i had two nightmares and i was only asleep for one of them and so he wakes up from this cat motorcycle boner nightmare and <laughs> he hears all the screeching of brothers and sisters coming from upstairs in this old house that he and his owner are living on. I think mostly the first floor of, um, so he goes up to investigate and he sees like 200 cats from around the neighborhood, like dancing around these, these frayed wires. And they keep like pressing the wires together and shocking themselves and like working themselves up into a weird religious frenzy. Uh huh. And they're all they're all shouting about this cat named Claudandus, I I think is the it's another Latin thing. Okay, Um, who is a it's a figure who sacrificed himself for like the good of all the cats. (laughs) So cat Jesus. Um, And so Francis sees this from afar. They see him seeing this. They chase him. He like falls into this living room, like through a skylight into this living room and meets this blind cat who named Felicity, who tells him like, and she's blind and she tells him that she like has some vague memory of like pain from when she was like really, really young, like pain in her eyes. Uh-huh. And, and then later she turns up dead as well. No. Yeah. Um, and the person who, um, points like so he talks to felicity he leaves bluebeard takes him to the house of this cat pascal who is named i believe after the programming language um <laughs> who is like super smart and showing him this like database of cats from around the neighborhood and like, like on a computer been, yeah on a computer this cat knows how to use a computer <laughs> got like his microsoft <laughs> access database of cats no, he actually does know how to use the computer <laughs> 
He knows how to make secret files that his owner can't read. Is it a graphic user user interface? Is he just I, like I typing think, away on a yeah, keyboard? Yeah, I think it is. I think it is a graphic user user interface. But there are these like sequences describing a cat using a computer. <laughs> <laughs> He's just cat hacks. Cat hackers. Cat hacks. Yeah, cat hackers. Oh man, uh, which is my favorite PBS educational <laughs> cartoon show. Yeah, right after um, Math Blaster became Cat Hacks. Yeah, so like he meets Pascal and he's showing him, and they're and they're kind of putting their heads together and trying to figure out what the pattern is with these cat deaths, and and then he gets Francis gets the news that Felicity's been killed, and that like he thought he'd noticed the pattern, but now he doesn't know the pattern anymore. Um, so I'm trying to think like what the most important plots plot things it's, are to disclose so after this. it is a cat mystery right it's a cat and cat noir it's cat noir if you will uh le, le noir. um he so do we know if there's a an antagonist yet other than mystery cat murderer other than mystery cat murderer not really there are some like minor antagonists there's this cat named kong who shows up and like chases him around a couple times but he's ultimately not like he doesn't end up being the big bad okay he's um, like the a cat Bluto. the cat okay. there's a cat named joker who leads this claudandus cult okay who also is scape catted for a while but Stop doesn't end it. up being <laughs> you're a menace i uh, yeah it's it's bad um okay so this has all happened. So Francis, like he's all he's he's jangled from all this, like from finding these cats dead and from all this weird stuff that he's seen and the weird nightmares that he's having. And so to to soothe his nerves, he's going to go kill some rats because that's what cats do to like so calm down. And, yeah. To just like chill out. Just go go to the gym and just slash some rats apart. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what the, it's a cat. That's what they do. OK. OK. Uh, so he goes into the basement. And there are all these like giant stacks of like printer paper and stuff like the the second floor of this house also had some weird like medical equipment or some kind of equipment on it that you can't really identify and a strong like chemical smell. Hmm. Um, and the basement sort of has some of the same things. And then there are also these like piles and piles of paper. And so he attacks this rat. And of course, there is this this lengthy sequence describing exactly how he disembowels this rat and that. As he kills it, it definitely poops all over everything. Oh. And like the the book, like the binder that the dead rat body ends up on ends up being the journal of this like professor who used to live in this house. And like seven-ish years ago, so back in 1980, this guy was doing these experiments with this weird, it's like a you know how sometimes if you get like a wound, they'll treat it with like glue in lieu of stitches as like an emergency sort of field medicine kind of thing. Yeah, I think that's. I mean, do people still do that? I th- sure. I think, yeah, I think there are there are um, situations where that's still. I used bet there as like are a quickie, I, a quickie remedy, like super glue, like or like medical adhesive. Yeah, yeah, basically. Okay, okay. Um, so what this guy is trying to do is create a medical adhesive that, like, it, it, you don't need stitches with it at all. Like, it just completely closes the wound, prevents infection, Does like, it, it like doesn't leave 
huge scars or like disfiguration. Like it's a very advanced form of medical adhesive. And, and it like, calls it dissolve when when your platelets all like get in there and stuff. Sure. Just say, yeah, platelets, white blood cells. What other hemoglobin? What other words do you know? T cells. T cells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um the mitochondria. Mitochondria, right? The uh the was it the powerhouse of the cell? Powerhouse of the cell. Mm-hmm. R- RNA and DNA. Yeah. Plasma. Um, what are the things in your lungs that take oxygen? It's not areola, but it's a word that's similar. It's like it's it's it sounds kind of pasta y, isn't it? I is it it's like is it aioli? It's not I aioli. I think it starts with a C. Here, I'm looking up lungs on Wikipedia right now. Okay, great. Um, this is good radio. This um, is really good. Um Man, what are they called? I know what you're talking cilia. Oh, cilia, not areola. Oh, look, they look like little seaweeds. Great, you got seaweed in your lungs. They look like little cushes. Here, I'm gonna hear little cushes. Yeah, like little cush cush balls. Where are you putting well, I this? Can't, I can't paste links in the chat. I can't imagine why <laughs> Google would have turned off the ability to post links in their chat. <laughs> all these um, helping us okay. out is definitely cilia yeah okay cilia, yeah it's uh yeah they're on a delay so they're hearing our confusion from like a minute ago um okay so he's so, making this he's making this medical adhesive he calls it the soup the soup and yeah and what uh <laughs> hannah says alveoli alveoli that's it which is really tasty with uh, ricotta cheese inside it. A good pot, a good pesto sauce, also. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, what Francis has found is the diary of this professor who's trying to make this this adhesive stuff. Mm-hmm. And so, what this guy has done is he's ordered in a lot of uh, animal test subjects. Guess what animal it is that, oh, he, that he wants? Dogs. No, close. Sheep. No. Guess better. Is it cat? Yeah, it's cats. Okay. He orders in a bunch of cats, just like a big old shipment of cats from Sam's Club, I guess. <laughs> um, and starts doing these and starts doing these tests on them. And he's like writing about them. And he writes, oh, the first like, so I, we took these cats and we shaved them and we made big incisions in their skulls. And then we put this soup on them. And instead of binding the wounds together it like ate through their flesh and their bones into their brains and we had to put them all asleep bad batch of soup i'd say a bad batch of soup send this soup back waiter i've got some dead (laughs) cat in my soup (laughs) Uh, so the journal continues and he keeps not being successful mostly and he like all the lab assistants who are with him are becoming increasingly disillusioned and he's like putting off all these reports to the people who are funding him because of course stuff is not going super well um he does find this one cat like a stray cat not one of the Sam's Club cats um who the the soup does work on like it works fine oh okay and he calls that cat Claudondus Oh, and then he's he starts calling like the glue stuff Claudondus, I think as well, um, and he's trying to figure out the secret to this cat that he keeps mutilating that makes it live while all the other other cats that he keeps mutilating die. Okay, and it so 
now you have, I think, basically all the puzzle pieces, like the big puzzle pieces. There's some more stuff. There's like a an underground tomb that Francis falls into later that's got like hundreds of dead cats in it. Okay. That I guess you should know about as well. Um, okay. Now here's a question I have about like cats in this world. Okay. Do they have a relationship with their family or a sense of their lineage? By family, do you mean the cats they're related to or the people who own them? Uh, the cats they're related to. Not like, really, but it does come up a little bit later. Okay. Because I'm wondering if this is like building towards like are these cho- are all the cats in this neighborhood descendants of Cloudondis? That's what I want to know. No, but okay. that's not a bad. That's not not the direction it's headed in. Okay. Okay. Um. So I guess it's, okay. So to summarize. <laughs> You're trying real hard not to spoil this cat murder book. It's really No, I'm just like I'm not I'm going to spoil all of it. All of it's going to be spoiled because I don't think a bunch of people are probably going to want to like hunt down this racist author's cat murder book so they can read more of the stuff that I'm describing. Sure, okay. Like it's it's so it's kind of frustrating cuz there are some really surreal funny bits like cats using computers and <laughs> And like cat fights and stuff that if you can get over how it's like Redwall meets uh, Watership, Watership Down, yeah. like cranked up to 11. Are there any um, um, cat love scenes? Yes, actually. Dang it. Yeah. <laughs> and then everybody like from for the rest of the for a couple days after that, everybody's commenting on how bad he stinks. Like, no, like, like doing it. No, that's not cool. We're flirting oh. with that explicit tag on this one out we, already, I think. We really are. <laughs> so what what happens next then? Um all right. So the deal is this doctor guy like so there like Bluebeard is a mutilated cat, like Felicity was blind, like there are other mutilated cats in this neighborhood. It turns out that all of those cats are like they were parts of the this professor guy's experiments. Okay. And that Claudondus, he escaped Ooh. and he killed the professor. Whoa. Um why? Because well, take a guess. Like he cuz he got turned into an immortal Frankenstein cat? No, because this guy is like doing all these horrible experiments and he's getting more and more unhinged and drunk all the time and his wife leaves him and all his lab assistants leave him and he's paranoid and he's crazy and Oh, are you saying that no one wanted to live with the guy who was obsessed with mutilating cats? Yeah, no. Oh. <laughs> Can't imagine why his marriage fell apart. And, all right, so we've got that. Like, they're still in, Van, Francis is still investigating this murder, and with Pascal, he's, like, building this other database, like, with the, <laughs> like, they're trying to cross-reference, because they, they know, okay, you're using computer terms for these cats, and I can't handle it. They are just, they're using a date, but they're like using Microsoft Basic and stuff. Like, that's <laughs> literally mentioned. These are cats that know how to program. Don't let Silicon Valley know. Disrupt cats. CSI cats. <laughs> um, man, all right. There's a lot. There's a lot of threads to pull on from here, I guess. And every single one, like I need to pull on until it's done. Like a cat. Um, 
So they are they're saying, okay, obviously more cats than just like these half a dozen that have been killed recently have turned up. Okay. Like show me a database of like every like he has a database of every cat since 1982 that's lived in this neighborhood. And so they say, okay, these guys are old enough that they probably died of natural causes. All these cats are ones that we know like either got like hit by a car or their owners moved or like we know what happened to them. And they come up with about 450 cats that they that have disappeared over the years, but that nobody knows like what happened to them. Okay. And they're saying, okay, so this cat has been active for a while. He's been killing cats this whole time. And only recently has he been like leaving his work for people to find instead of like throwing it underground. That makes sense. Okay. Oh, cause the, cause the big cat tomb. Cause the, big the cat tomb. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, so like what is, what is changed? Like what is, what is different? And Pascal throws out that like maybe he's getting old and he's like not able to throw stuff underground anymore. And so he's trying to be found by somebody. Um, which ends up, which there are a lot of other like red herrings and stuff, but that does end up being the case. Like um, Pascal and Bluebeard and Francis call all the cats into the neighborhood together and they share all the news of this like research they've been doing because like obviously the cats in the neighborhood are like, who are all these cats getting murdered? This sucks. I hope I don't get murdered. Do any of those cats show up and be like, hey, Pascal, didn't know you knew how to use computers. Didn't know you had a cat Facebook on your computer at home. Well, the computer thing doesn't come up. Okay. <laughs> We solved the murder in a way that you don't need to know about. Yes, exactly. Okay. Right. Um, and they they come to like the public salute the public um solution that Joker, the leader of the Claudandis cult, did it because right around when Francis really started digging into stuff, like he disappeared. Mm. Mm. Um But it turns out that that he also was killed. So Claudandus is looking for someone to come avenge these murders, sort of, to end Not his time. quite, but it is, it does, like, they, Francis is like, eh, this Joker thing, like, it seems too clean. Like, I don't really buy it. Okay. I don't, I don't think that it could have such a, such a pat ending. And so he, like, he talks to Bluebeard and was like, when you went to go look for Joker last time, like, where did you go? Like, where'd you go to look? And... Bluebeard is like, well, I I looked, I like started at the bottom of the shelves and my, I worked my way up and there are like a bunch of ceramic cats and stuff up there, but I didn't see him anywhere. And it comes to light that he didn't look like on the very top shelf. And oh, so no. Francis goes to check it out. And among like the porcelain cat statues is Joker like dead and frozen because it's wintertime. Whoa. And nobody nobody found him because he was, you know, he didn't have. A so he's to, not the murderer. Solved it. He's not the murderer. Okay. And um, Francis figures out through some logical leaps that it must be like Claudandas who's still around. And then he does some more mental gymnastics to figure out who Claudandas is. And, oh, this whole time it's been his buddy Pascal who he feels this really deep like partnership with because they're both super smart computer cats. <laughs> who else would have intimate knowledge of all the cats that have gone missing and built a exactly. website around it? Exactly. Yes. So he goes to the house and he also he remembers that um 
Pascal said the name of his owner one time, and his owner turns out to have been someone who was working with the crazy, like the nutty professor. Oh, okay. Yes, Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Killed uh-huh. Eddie Murphy. That was what the nutty professor was about, right? Is Eddie Murphy killing animals? They made a bunch of those movies, so I don't really know. <laughs> what was what was Norbit about? Cats? I think that I think also that. Eddie, Eddie Murphy, Murphy played like, twelve he cats. Kind of, he started getting typecasted. <laughs> After a while, it's just this, this doctor who killed all these Man, cats. Man, the things they can do with computers these days. <laughs> cats can do with yeah, computers. Yeah, a bunch of cats. Stop. I can't. Okay. Um, so he, go, he goes to the house. He gets on the computer that he knows how to use now. <laughs> and he finds this, like, t- basically like a death database. Yeah. Of all the cats that are killed. And, and what... um. What jogs his memory is like he's hanging out with his owner Gustav, who really is into like Egyptian gods and 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 mythology and stuff. And he sees this picture of this cat that like looks like the lady cat that he boned down on. Mm. And then he has some kind of mind revelation, and he goes and he finds out that whoever like Claudandus is doing weird cat eugenics. <laughs> Okay. Where he's going around the neighborhood trying to breed all the cats with like with an aversion to domestication, like with the with the traits of like the old Egyptian, like the original cats. Oh, he's trying to weed out domestication domestication and like bring back the, the cats of old. And so he's been going around the neighborhood this whole time, like like encouraging cats with the right traits to to reproduce and for cats that try to reproduce with the you know the the chosen cats if they won't like leave off it he just kills them huh so so that's why they were all killed mid mid cat coitus yeah and so he's been doing this for like eight years and now he's got cat cancer and he's dying and he was looking (laughs) for someone to carry on his work and he thought that francis maybe would be the one Well, what does Francis he's the say? Only one, he's the only one smart enough to figure it out. And he's... Francis is like, no, like, no. I'm not here for your cat eugenics. Maybe, like, maybe not all humans are bad. Like, maybe. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Maybe everyone's supposed to live together in harmony instead of, like, making a master cat race that takes over the world. Oh, gosh. That is, that is Claudondus's endgame. Well, because they could definitely get rid of humans if they're all as smart as Claudondus. Right. If they're all smart as Claudondus and they're all, like, the the super smart uber cats yeah uber cats that don't want to be domesticated anymore then yeah that's the that is the end goal and he was hoping that francis would take like see the value in this work and take it up and continue it and francis is like no i'm good thanks and so they have this really epic final confrontation where francis deletes the cat database like the genetic (laughs) like the cat eugenics database (laughs) and then claudandus jumps up on the desk and knocks the computer off of it huh (laughs) My life's work. You deleted. Yeah, that and he so he jumps up on the desk and he knocks the computer off the desk, and it like explodes and it catches the curtain on fire. No. And so there's this sequence where this house is like burning down around <laughs> these two cats who are fighting. <laughs> okay. And anyway, any everyone ends up mostly happy at the end. Like Claudandus bites it. Yeah, he he is killed. Francis barely escapes with his life, and everybody ends up okay. Is that bl- that end. blind? Does that blind cat make it out? She doesn't make it out. No, she died, she died a, a long time ago. ago. Yeah. Um. So, like, cool book. I well, cool cat murder book. What? Like, it's 
it's just so it's so bizarre like if it hadn't been written by a really militant right ring white the right wing racist i think i would have enjoyed it a lot more but for like the first like third of it i was just i was resisting enjoying it because oh, i don't want to sure. give him the satisfaction i don't know well and also like you crack the cover on a cat murder book written we did do like a, a just a tiny bit of research because we never heard of this guy before before you started reading it so i know that you were like a little like Ooh. i would imagine you're just like waiting to turn a page and just have the book go just like just make you want to throw it across the room like, oh, you're like just yeah like maybe waiting maybe for that to happen. yeah maybe felid philiday eight is all about how francis changed his mind and actually like cat eugenics supremacy is the way to go and he's like <laughs> and he's come around to Akif Perinci's modern day way of thinking so yeah I kept waiting to find evidence of the guy who called Germany a Muslim garbage dump and he's just he is aside from women not being in the book at all okay and nobody really like it's not really about culture clashing at all <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty pure, and it's bit, it's really about, uh, God, uh, poor choice of words. Yeah, um, right. no, it's, it's it's a it's yeah, it's a it's a world in which like, I don't know, in in this relatively homogenous neighborhood without any other problems, there are a bunch of cats being murdered. Yeah, I, I was know. gonna say like, <laughs> like Zoom... it's not interacting with any of the ideas that he with, currently yeah. spends so much of his time interacting with, and so maybe like. In another context, the evidence would have been clearer. Maybe just in 1989, he had not yeah. come to the same conclusions that he's come to now. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's it kind of overshadowed my reading of it for most of it until like halfway in where I was just, this is so weird and like horrible. It's, it's the sequence where he's reading the doctor's journal that really like put it over the top for me. And, and you were like ready to see it through and kind of into it yeah okay yeah, and i'll i'll be in the in, in the chat saying i would totally read this if it wasn't for the author being a turd and that's yeah that's my outlook on it pretty much and like we we didn't put up like usually on our site we do like amazon links for the books so that if people want to read along like they can click those and then we get like a cut of it but i didn't want to do it for this book in part because you can't find it new and mostly because the guy seems like a tool but maybe you could like rent it if a library already had it yeah um, or like buying it used i guess wouldn't directly benefit him it is it's it's weirdly worth reading if you haven't been totally grossed out and like even though i've spoiled every everything like <laughs> if all a work of fiction has to offer you is like surprise then it's not like very good that's and not what we're not, here for yeah right so like it's so i don't know two things I want if other people if people in the chat have other questions. There's one about headphones that we can go back to at the end. Okay. Two if anybody things. has other questions, ask them now, and we can close the show out with that. Um, one, I think, is there? This keep keep your answer short. Does the book concern? Is it just cats, or are there different? Does does it acknowledge different species of cats existing? Um, yeah, it acknowledges different um different breeds of cats, and actually the 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 different breeds are a lot clearer in the book than they actually are in real life like oh okay most most cats are just like most cats just running around are mutts like they are not yeah, anything yeah. in particular okay um but yeah there are there are different 
breeds of cat in the book it doesn't make a huge difference but it does like comment on it i guess my concern is like do they know about lions and do they think that lions are going to get behind them they they... (laughs) they do know about the different kinds of cats but they're mostly concerned with like the neighborhood house cat cat um and then i just want to ask you a little bit about to go a little bit deeper on just the vibe of what it is to read from a cat perspective so i found this article uh, on Slate called The Case of the Feline Flatfoot, which is all about the genre <laughs> of cat mysteries. And this is a thing... Wait, is this a, is this a genre? This is a whole world, Andrew. It goes back to oh the God. 1960s, at least, with Lillian Jackson Braun's Cat Who dot 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 series, of which there are 29 books, or Rita Mae Brown's Mrs. Murphy series with 20 books, uh, or Shirley Murphy's Joe Gray series. Um, and this article does a really good job of, like, breaking down why we might like cat fiction because like it offers a compelling narrative for the weird things cats do (laughs) or cats have been historically linked to like magical behavior or powerful and dangerous women like you know like the trope of the cat familiar and witches and things Mm -hmm. um and also just the way that cats look at us sometimes feels like they have access to a moral certainty that we don't like they They do get a little murdery sometimes (laughs) in there so what if anything like cat trope wise or cat perspective wise like surprised you or did you find like effective that we haven't talked about I think I mean you got a little bit of it earlier when I was when I was telling you how um Francis feels about Gustav. Okay, sure. Um there are a lot of different like he talks about how he has basically trained Gustav to only feed him the best stuff by just flatly refusing to eat things that he thought were beneath him. That's what And this was do. a very this was a very intentional thing that he did. Okay. Um he talks about how Gustav plays with him like with like a toy mouse and a cork and he participates of course only purely for Gustav's benefit. <laughs> um that bears out with like homeward bound style pet narratives. Yeah, you you do a thing where you you take a common cat behavior or animal behavior and like twist it to make it seem like it's a choice that the animal is making instead of just an instinct that the animal has yeah it makes it performative yeah sure um so yes lillian jackson braun is is the author of cat who grant mentions um so yeah okay anything else from their perspective um no not really not like it's it's mostly stuff in that vein and then like descriptions of of fights and and murders and <laughs> cat cat boning and stuff. <laughs> I can't believe this freaking book exists. Um, earlier, uh, Andrew, we got a question, and this was who is this from? This was from Graham. Um, Andrew, why are you using earpods rather than something that goes over your ears? When we record, I wear over the ear headphones, and you wear your Apple earbuds. Because the over-the-ear headphones I have bleed a lot into the mic, and it makes it harder to edit. And also, I don't find the ear pods as uncomfortable as I guess some people do. It's really like Suzanne tries to wear them, and they just fall out. And other people wear them, and they are just really uncomfortable. So it's a it's a spectrum, I guess. But yeah, I I, I find them mostly comfortable, and also they don't like bleed a lot. Sure, and cause edit problems. That's yeah. That's. That's a thing that we solved relatively early on, recognizing yeah. when bleed is I'm not going to go back and listen to the old episodes and figure no. out exactly when we solved it, but we did mostly we solve did it. We did mostly solve it. Um, 
so yeah, that's I got these headphones a little while ago. Um, I like them. They're comfy. They don't do a lot of bleed. Um, they're like studio monitor headphones. Um, yeah, I need to just buy some of those, but eh, eh. you know, it's one of those I could things. Bu- I could buy a cat murder book instead. Instead, <laughs> uh, Nora asks, "Is this author the worst person you've researched for the podcast?" Oh, I would have to I... go back and look. Um, in terms of like his his political views and like his his clear prejudice for his like clear and militant prejudice for specific groups of people off the top of my head, I would say yes. Like I don't think Craig, you and I have ever looked at like a book that a patron has suggested and considered rejecting it purely on the grounds of like who wrote it. Like, I don't think that's a conversation that we had had before this guy. No. And it, and it really speaks to the fact that like, other than this series of novels, and his writings in the last 10 years specifically that have gotten really militant and gross like that's mostly what this guy has done on this earth of like wide note um so there wasn't much else for us to find i can't think of anyone else in well a... and again we're not we're not like the arbiters of what a bad person is and true, also true. i'm not going to go back through everybody and figure out what like views they had like over the course of time like i'm sure there were a lot of people like definitely there are a lot of authors who were racist or or who had problematic views that we've read but they were more of their time and so like less remarkable and also for that and also some of those authors have larger bodies of work that have created a, a larger impact on just reading and and literature that we often default to talking about that more um unless there's like a specific like noteworthy situation sure um so yeah it's a that's a great question and this was i think we both kind of came into this episode being like like this is really is the main thing to talk about with this guy huh there's not like other yeah, stuff to cover. Like he doesn't have a cool lemonade mm. stand. He doesn't like <laughs> have a signature sandwich to talk. He about. He doesn't believe like, like pick actual weird things about the authors. Like he doesn't believe in fairies, like Arthur Conan Doyle or whatever. Yeah, sure. And, and we we try to talk about when stuff is like particularly problematic, but this guy just seems like he is. So, well, and he's and he's out actively doing it in the world today, which, as you'd said earlier, maybe makes it feel a little worse than it does when somebody's racism is 150 years old you know yeah for sure um hannah says um you're coming to boston when i won't be there and i'm sad (laughs) that's uh, i'm I'm pronouncing the question mark yeah uh so that's as we close out i guess this episode uh just a reminder that we're going to be in boston on july the 15th um with maybe by the time that other folks are hearing this we'll have put up uh more details but they are forthcoming yeah we're just we're working out a couple things with the venue but um as soon as we've done that yeah we'll have tickets go on sale uh july 15th in boston it's gonna be an evening show Mm -hmm. um i think that's it for this bonus episode of of the month of may um if you want to if you were not part of the stream if you were not uh listening to this in real time uh, and you want to for the next one um, you should visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash overdue pod and you can find out how to do that. Uh, again, I want to thank uh, Laura who recommended this book to us. Uh, turned out to be a pretty cool episode and it sounds like Andrew had a good time reading about cat murder. 
Um, if you want to let us know what you think about the show, re- reach out to us on social media at twitter.com slash overdue pod or facebook.com slash overdue pod. We have an email that's overdue pod at gmail.com. Andrew, hit him with the website. Overduepodcast.com. Y'all know the thing. ITunes, There's stuff on it. Stitcher, RSS. Um, subscribe to the show, rate and review us. I'm sure everybody listening right now already has. If you haven't, like, what? Why? Explain why <laughs> right now. Um, <laughs> we also have uh, HeadGum, our podcast network, and and Spreaker, our podcast host, and all kinds of other stuff about the show, including a uh, new listener page that you can use to recommend the show to people. And, and we've picked some episodes that we like a lot and that are representative of what we do when we are doing a good job at it, I think. Yeah, which we do most of the time. Most of the time. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening. And until we see you next time, try to be happy. That was a headgum podcast.